Welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adults. I am Lynn Pryor and Chris Johnson is my host. Chris, I hope you're doing well today. Great to be with you, Lynn. All right, and joining Chris and I this uh, for this podcast is Ken Brady. Ken, thanks for joining us again for another podcast. You bet, Lynn. Chris, good to see you guys again. Thanks for having me back. And uh, if you've been a faithful listener to this podcast, Ken is, is no uh, stranger to you. But for all the newbies out there, welcome. And Ken Brady is the manager of our ongoing groups area at Lifeway. Uh, but even more importantly than that is he is the face for Sunday School at Lifeway. He is the Sunday School Director for Lifeway Christian Resources and does an excellent job of reminding us and keeping before the churches the value and the benefit of Sunday School. So thanks for doing that, Ken. You bet. Thank you, Lynn. So we are in a study entitled All In, and uh, we titled it this way because we, we, that's what we want for, to happen in people's lives, that they're totally committed, that they're all in, uh, in their relationship with God and commitment to, to him and to the church. So uh, this week, we're going to be talking about our commitment to Christ. Uh, one of the things that stood out to me, Matt Carter, the author of this resource uh, uh, study for us, uh, in the intro talks about reality TV and how people are so into reality TV. And then it seems like that Matt must be into America Ninja Warrior because he talked about it a lot. Do you guys watch that at all? I've I've ne- I hate to say it. I've never seen it. So I have walked through the room and seen it on, but I've never Sometime it. go to Saturday Night uh, uh, Saturday Night Live's parody on American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> So it's it's one of the regular guys on uh, Saturday Night Live who has a cause. Something's happened in his city, and he's dedicated his his uh, Ninja Warrior experience. And this is kind of what happens on these shows. Uh, they they so they're highlighting this one guy, and he, he can't get off of the first. Uh, uh, obstacle <laughs> he just wipes out from the very beginning they give him a couple other times to try it it's worse every time it's pretty funny my, my son uh, millennial son pointed it out to me so do you guys recall is there someone at lifeway who has trained and tried out for american ninja warrior yes there is a female a, right a woman and her husband were um contestants that we were participants Okay. At American Ninja Warriors this past year. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was the case. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. But what the, okay. what a show like that does show us, Chris, is, you know, you, you know, the parody, you don't just show up for one of these. There is no way I would just show up and try well, to compete. The guy on Saturday Night Live did. <laughs> but there is a commitment that's involved in training. There is a commitment that you just got to be all into doing that, which is really the point of this study and especially with this particular session, where we're going to focus on the fact that we're going to commit our uh, commit your whole life in trust and obedience to Christ. It's not a, just a part-time commitment. It's a, it's this is your call in to commit your whole life to Him, and we're going to be looking to, uh, for that at a passage uh, in the Gospels, uh, Gospel of Mark in particular, Mark chapter ten, and we're going to begin in verse thirteen, and we're going to see here what total commitment looks like. And we're going to see also that it's demonstrated in just a childlike trust in Christ. So let me kind of pick up in the reading here, just uh, kind of pick up uh, the study we're looking at. And and, uh, this is is verse 15, where Jesus said, Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never 
enter it. And that idea of that childlike trust that we're to put in Christ. So I, I couldn't help but think about uh, uh, as a pastor, one of the things that uh, would, one of the joys of being a pastor was sitting down with children uh, and talking to them about becoming a Christian. And I would almost always have that one or both of the parents involved in the conversation. So I wanted them to hear and wanted to be sure that they were comfortable with where the, where this child was. And um, uh, one of the things that I came to early on and still believe strongly is the amount of faith that that child has, that's enough. You don't have to have a great amount. Even that amount of faith is enough for God. And uh, it's a good reminder for us that uh, uh, that childlike faith, even though it's really, really small, that that's what it takes uh, to enter the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, Chris. And, and I think something else here, too, uh, is in play. Uh, absolutely, there is this idea of a simple trust. You know, uh, a child doesn't understand everything and doesn't have all the answers, but they know enough to know that they need Jesus and they can respond, you know, in, in faith. But a child also, at this point, uh, still understands the concept of free. Now, you know, adults like us, you know, we've become a little jaded over the years because, you know, we've participated in things that were supposed to be free and we realized there's a catch you know the the thing that we thought was going to be free obviously there was some kind of a hook uh, the small print got us and we have learned that there's nothing free in life but as a young child you know these the kids understand the concept of free if you said hey would you like a free ice cream cone what, what's a kid gonna say yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, well, you know, take me to it, you know? Uh, but if you ask you know, an adult, Hey, would you like uh, some free ice cream? The first thing they're going to think is what's the catch, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know? And so I love this idea that, that we're supposed to come to the Lord with a childlike faith. You know, obviously, you know, we can, we can place our trust in Christ, but we also at that point are acknowledging that, that we're receiving this wonderful free gift of grace and there's no strings attached. This is going to be a wonderful evangelistic lesson. You know, this is going to be one yes. of those that, that we can, even if our groups, let's, let's say I, I don't really have anybody who I would call, you know, lost in my group. You know, let's just say my group is composed of, you know, church members. They've been around the Bible for a long time. This is going to be still a great reminder of how to have a conversation with a lost friend even though I may not have somebody sitting in my group right then that's going to respond because they've already read, already responded to the gospel. This is going to be a great reminder that there are people that we know that maybe have still not yet responded with that small childlike faith, uh, understanding that, you know, Hey, this is a free gift. I don't have to work to earn. This is going to be a good reminder for them, uh, Lynn and Chris, I think to, to take that message back to the workplace, back to their schools, you know, back to their neighborhoods, uh, back to their families. So good to hear. Well, that's so true, and we we need those reminders. I think we we sometimes miss miss the significance of that. I guess the other thing that comes to my mind uh, is is a little personal. Uh, my uh, my granddaughter is hanging out at our house today. Hazel is eight months old, and Hazel is totally dependent on somebody else to take care of her. Now she wants sure. she will she wants us to think that she can do it on her own sometimes. <laughs> But she, she is totally dependent, and that's a, a part of what this lesson is about. We are, a part of all-in commitment is the recognition that we are totally dependent on, on God. 
And uh, we have to come to God that way for us to receive that gift of his salvation. Let's kind of move on in this passage because he's, he was sitting, he was in this context of people bringing their children. Uh, and this is where the disciples were rebuking because they were bringing the kids. And, and Jesus made that great statement. We've been discussing that you, you got to come to faith. You got to come to me as, as a child. So now he moves on and it says, as he was setting out on a journey, a man came to him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, He's not described here as the rich young ruler, but when you take the passages in the different gospels where he's mentioned, you see that he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. So let me look at this one verse here, and this is verse 19, where um, Jesus said to him, because the man had asked, well, what what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And you can just picture this guy, he's kind of counting them off on his fingers as Jesus says that. And he said to them, teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. Now this is going to sound a little odd because we know that's not the right answer Jesus is looking for, not the ultimate answer. But we do want to see that our total commitment is demonstrated as we strive for obedience. Now, we're going to have to see the rest of the passage here to fully get that. But our commitment, it's not just enough to come to faith and say, okay, Jesus, I, I, I say yes to you. Uh, I want you to be my Savior. We live that out in our obedience. Uh, he, Jesus says later in the Gospel of John, uh, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So what we see here is a man, he looks like he's, he's striving for obedience. But of course, we're going to see it's only a partial obedience he's doing. So two things jumped out at me as I was looking at this par- portion of the passage. One is that he asked the question, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So there was a, there's the, the aspect of how do I get this? But it's also from almost from the perspective of inheritance. How, how, does, this, how does this come to me? Um, and I think that we lose sight sometimes that that question of how do I get how do I experience eternal life? How do I inherit the kingdom of God um, is a question uh, with some universality to it that a lot of people are asking that kind of question. How, how is it that a person gets to heaven? And uh, sometimes in our church bubble, uh, because that's kind of been settled for us, we forget that there's a whole world of people that ask that question and wonder, how does a person get into heaven? I think the majority of Americans, Chris, would would say that they you earn, you earn a spot. Yep. It's it's Jesus plus you know, and and that's what I was saying earlier about the idea of salvation is free. There's there's no catch. You know, it's not I get saved, but then I also have to work myself you know into a frenzy to do good things to you know make up for the bad things because I'm not trusting that the you know uh, the acceptance that I have in Christ is enough. And I think that's where most of our culture is, unfortunately. It, it just, it's, it's counterintuitive to say, you know, you don't have to. Do, I mean, his question is, what do I have to do? And, and the, you know, the flip side is, you don't have to do anything to earn it. It's being given to you as a gift. And that's the hard thing, I think, that most adults especially have to get over is that this is really a free gift. There's no string attached. Does that make sense? It yeah. does. It does. And uh, I know faith evangelism was something that Southern Baptists were into early in uh, the 2000s. And uh, one of the issues that they came into all the time was in asking surveys, over half the people would say, oh, 
uh, when the, the question was asked, how is it a person gets into heaven? Uh, the response over half the time from people who were not believers was uh, to be, I have to be a good person. Sure. So I, it is that idea of I earn it by doing these things. And Absolutely. That's, and that's the world this uh, young man lived in, in that yep. Jewish culture. You know, there's very strong emphasis on keeping the rules. Uh, Matt Carter calls his list my get into heaven to do list. (laughs) And what to me is telling is he's got his list and he's proud of the fact, hey, I've kept these things. Yet there was something still nagging in him that made him come to Jesus, say, Jesus, what do I need to do? Because in his culture, he was doing it all to inherit eternal life. But I think there was something in him that said, I'm still missing something. Or there, there's got to be more, or I want to be sure. Right, right, right. Guys, there's one quick thing I want to mention here in verse 18. I don't know if you guys are like me, but I see humor in Scripture. I really do. And, uh, and in Jesus' life, I could point out two or three times to where there are things he said or did. It just makes me grin. And <laughs> in verse 18, I think we have one of those. Uh, when Jesus looks at this uh, rich young ruler and he says, you know, well, he, the rich young ruler had just asked him, you know, good teacher, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? He says, no one's good except God alone. Wink, wink. You know, it's, al- <laughs> it's almost like he's kind of pulling the shades down a little bit and yeah. reveal it, re- if the guy's real sharp, you know, Jesus is, is, is telling him, you know, hey, if you're calling God good, but, you know, you're also, you know, you're looking at me and, and asking me, good teacher, are you making the, you know, the jump here that, that I am, I am God in flesh, you know? And so I just, I wonder if Jesus said this and had that little, you know, internal Twink. grin, yeah, little wink, twinkle in his eye. Yes, exactly. And he's wanting, <laughs> he's wanting this, this precious fellow to make that leap and to understand, you know, that he is the, you know, the way, the truth and the life. And he's and the, the young man is just this close to getting it. And as we know how the story turns out, you know, he goes away sad. Right. Yeah, I, lo- I love the fact that uh, the transition uh, is that it's from, in Mark's gospel says Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's right. Uh, uh, that, that is an awesome, awesome statement uh, for us to, to recognize that, that Jesus looks at people like this guy who's searching, who wants answers, and, and, and Jesus' feeling toward him is that he loves him. And, and I think that clause colors what Jesus says next. Because if you, without seeing that phrase, Jesus loved him, if you just read this where Jesus said, well, you lack one thing. Go sell yep. all you have and give to the poor. It, all, it sounds like a harsh rebuke. Yep. But the fact he says, but Jesus loved him, then he said to him, there's one thing you're lacking. Yep. And uh, you, there's just that heart for the man that goes out. And the man has been striving for obedience. But as Tony Evans, uh, excuse me, as Matt Carter shows us in this study, it's been just a partial obedience. And partial obedience is not obedience. Right. I think it's important to note that the take all that you have and give it to the poor, sell it and give it to the poor, is not a universal command. It's not something that everyone has to do. Uh, in this instance, Jesus recognized that this guy had one one issue that kept him from that total obedience. This one thing, uh, his possessions, um, was that one thing that was more important to him than anything else. And um, so, we you might we need to be sure that that 
um, issue is discussed in our conversations. We don't want people to walk away from a small group event thinking, oh, I've got to sell everything I have and give to the poor. We see garage sales all over the county, right? That's Chris? exactly right. <laughs> right. Well, there's other passages where Jesus taught where like he, he talked about the, uh, the parable of the talents and you know, he, where he doesn't tell other stories where people have to give everything away. He talked about using what we have wisely for his kingdom. Again, he, there's, uh, this is the only instance we know of where he, he told someone, give it all away. Yeah, I, I appreciate one of the questions that, that shows up in, in, in a lot of the uh, uh, personal study guides uh, for, this, for this lesson. The question is, what obstacles keep some people from total commitment to Christ? And in this instance, this was this man's obstacles. But there are other obstacles that keep people from saying yes or to being totally committed to Christ. Right. Tony, uh, Matt, Matt ended it this way. He said, a committed hearts do not give us, do not grant us entrance into the kingdom of God, but rather committed hearts are the proof that we've already been granted access to the kingdom of God. And that commitment is seen in our childlike trust. And it's seen in our striving for obedience, for full obedience. And that idea that we are committed to following him wholeheartedly. Wow. I think this is going to be a good study in our groups. I do too. Well, thank you all uh, for uh, participating in this podcast and thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, we want to take a moment to, to talk specifically to those of you who are group leaders and uh, Ken and Lynn both have something for you. Then I'll wrap this up. Yes. Let me begin, Chris. Uh, let me just talk about what we call the advanced Bible study teacher guide. Uh, I have talked on podcast past about a resource we have called advanced Bible study. And what advanced Bible study is, is nothing but commentary. Straight and simple, that's it. Uh, it's, and it's like the passage we've been looking at in Mark 10. Advanced Bible study is just content on that passage. But what the advanced Bible study teacher guide does, it also works alongside that commentary, and it provides a teaching plan, especially for those who love a master-teacher approach, where as the leader of the class, you're going to do a, a, what I'd call a mini-lecture and then turn it around with some discussion questions. The advanced teacher guide walks alongside that commentary to help you kind of present a good, solid mini lecture, but it gives you some great pointed questions to really help them dig into the passage. It includes some options as well and some what we call some digging deeper features. Uh, but I would just encourage you, if you, especially if you like that type of teaching where it's a little bit more, little more lecture oriented, check out Advanced Bible Study Teacher Guide. Uh, so that's my suggestion for you. And But Ken has a suggestion, too, for us as teachers. Oh, that's a great segue, Lynn. So we'll uh, give you a quick teaching tip, and then we will say goodbye for now, and uh, we'll see you the next, you know, our next episode. Uh, so our teaching tip today that I wanted to bring you are for your groups that are out there that might be uh, online. Uh, leading your groups uh, through uh, an online tool like Zoom or something else. Um, you know, even as our groups uh, return to the church campus, I know that many groups are going to try to stay online. We've reached some new people uh, by being out there in uh, cyberspace. It's been a great thing for our worship services, for our groups. I hear groups have grown all over the country, as far um, out as Hawaii, all the way back over to Maine in the Northeast. 
And so um, one of the things that you may not be doing, group leader, if you're in Zoom and using that as your online tool, uh, there is a wonderful feature that is just very underutilized and it's called breakout rooms. And, uh, and so uh, it's a part of your Zoom uh, toolbar. It's very easy to use. Uh, Zoom will actually divide the people in your group into Zoom rooms, uh, these breakout rooms, uh, automatically. And so if you've got, you know, say eight people, it'll create, you know, two groups of four, or you can manually do that as the, uh, as the teacher, as the online host for a Bible study. How would you use these breakout rooms to teach and to guide your group? It's really easy. There's three different things you can do. Your breakout rooms can be used to send people off for discussion. So if you're finding that uh, people are being a little hesitant to answer questions and all this, then just assign them to a breakout room and say, look, I want you two or you three to go over here to this breakout room, and I want you to talk about this question. And you can put a timer on it, and with a minute to go, it'll, it'll give everybody a warning. And then it, you know, when it gets down to zero, it brings everybody back into the main uh, Zoom meeting, and then you can uh, go on from there. So it's a great tool to use to boost discussion. Number two, uh, you can use it for prayer. You can send people off and have them praying in smaller groups. So maybe you've got 12, 13 people online, uh, but put them in groups of uh, three or four in a Zoom room and let them pray together before they dismiss. And then finally, for those of you that have really organized your groups into care groups, uh, breakout rooms are a great place to send folks at the end of the Bible study and let the care group leader meet with their people for a few minutes and maybe do prayer requests there or uh, catch up uh, for the week and see how people are doing. So use those breakout rooms if you're in Zoom for discussion, for prayer, and for care group follow-up. I think you'll find that it'll really enhance that online experience in particular. Good word. Good word. We we need these reminders, whether we're doing these things online or um, in our groups, uh, that there's that need to sometimes get into smaller groups and have these conversations. So that's interesting to know that there is a tool that will help us to do that from an online perspective. Thanks, Ken. Thank you again for listening to Bible Studies for Life adult podcast, and we look forward to you being with us again. 